Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Ravinelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Hello and welcome back to the Board Breakdown podcast with me, Johnny Bullock. Um, I'm normally joined with Dana and Tom, but today I've got a couple of guests with me. And first is my good mate, Chris Dickinson. He's, he wants me to say that he's a former York and Darling and Academy graduate, um, but questionable um and then secondly we don't we definitely don't need an introduction for this guy but he was voted darlington's all-time cult hero he's now Borough's academy manager i'm so happy to welcome craig little to the podcast craig welcome to the podcast go welcome to the podcast hello good to be here yeah so chris i'm gonna throw under the bus i know we spoke about it off air but this 40 yards 47 yard goal you scored craig craig said well you said it's the best goal you've ever scored to go and it's it's probably the best goal Craig's ever seen um, at academy level. It's one to clear the air and see if it's true or not. I, I don't need to say much. I, I I think I think forty seven yards out is probably probably about accurate. But I don't think the keeper moved, did he, Lids? No, I, I think we need to get it straight. I didn't say the best goal I've ever seen. I said <laughs> I've got a very poor memory, and I can remember that like it was yesterday. So it, it obviously was special. Uh, <laughs> the best goal I've ever seen. I'm not quite sure, but it was. It was, it was a good goal, to be fair. Very good goal. Uh, Dick, well, I'll let you off. I'll let you off. But yeah, obviously, you guys knew each other from your Darlington days uh, with Craig. He was actually managing you, Dick, for quite a prolonged period of time. But we'll come on to that a little bit later on. Uh, but, Lids, I'm going to start things off with you. I'm going to start right at the beginning. Um, I know you just said your memory's not very good, but we're going to start with you growing up. Um, was football something you always wanted to get into? Yeah, I think I was very fortunate. I went to... Uh... A junior school which was very new but very small so believe it or not I actually played for the school team when I was five because one we didn't have many pupils at the school and two not many people wanted to play football so I joined like I said I joined the school team at five so ever since then I've basically I played all the way through obviously until I, I turned full-time at 16 at Aston Villa so something that I mean even pitches when I was a, a real baby um, there's pictures of me with a ball, so it's something that I, I have I've grown up with from virtually day one, really. I think. 
Yeah, it, you said you said they're on Aston Villa. Um, it's a bit of a strange move, really, because obviously you're, you're from from towards like round up, round our end. Um, and there are sides when they're under Graham Taylor, they were just recovering from that that amazing success. Um, how did the move come about, and was it a difficult move for you because that is quite a trip to go to? Yeah, so what how it come about? I was it did the usual one. I was at Newcastle. Um, Middlesbrough Sunderland as a youngster but in them days you could only sign schoolboy forms when you were 14 so I actually signed for Leicester City I went down to Leicester in the school holidays signed for them um, the head of youth development was a, a guy called Dave Richardson who he left when I was an under 16 to move to Aston Villa so basically took me with him uh, how I, I got scouted by a, a scout called Grant Shaver who, who worked under Dave at Leicester then Villa um, so that's how that come about. Um, looking back, I've literally just had a discussion with a parent who we're trying to sign their son as under 16. It was probably the wrong decision. So at 16 to leave home, I wasn't quite right, ready to go. But yeah. at the time, my dad thought it was the thing to do, the right thing to do for me because for a 16-year-old, I probably like to enjoy myself probably a little bit too early and a bit too much. So... I think my dad thought it would be the best pathway for me would be to move out the area and away from my friends. And if I'm being honest, I struggled for three years with homesickness. Uh, first two years were a lot more uh, easy to get on with because Graham Taylor was manager. Uh, had a huge amount of respect for him. I was actually petrified of him. Uh, but really enjoyed working under him. And I was playing regular. As a second-year scholar, I was playing regular in the reserves. So I got by because my football was developing well. Um, when Graham got the England job, he got the England job in 90, 1990, I think it was, a guy called, sadly just passed away, Joseph Ben Gloss took over, a Czech guy. And for whatever reason, didn't fancy me. I didn't enjoy it. The homesickness become probably 10 times worse when you're not doing as well. Uh, and it just pitted out. And I left in the March before my contract had ended. It just... It wasn't going to happen. I wasn't going to get extended because he didn't rate me and the homesickness probably at the time got the better of me, if I'm being being really honest. Yeah, I was going to say it must have been difficult to move there by yourself, um, obviously away from your friends as well. And probably in, in those days, there was no like social media or mobile phones where you could probably connect as, as, as frequently as, as now. But you moved to Blythe Spartans after for, for three seasons following the release uh, from Aston Villa. How important was it for you to, to play at that level, getting get involved with probably say men's football now, and rather than the youth team scholars fo- uh, football, um, was it really important for you just to play as many games as possible following the the release from Aston Villa? Slightly slightly different to to that Johnny in a way. So I, I, I w- when I left Aston Villa, I was training with Hartlepool. Not many people, okay. know, especially the Dalton sports, not know this. But I'll train well, with we'll we'll, we'll, cut, we'll cut that bit out. We'll cut that bit out. Don't <laughs> worry about it. <laughs> I was training with Hartlepool on a regular basis. So I was training with them um, and getting games with Blythe Spartans. So I was still sort of actively involved in professional football, but not not like on a contract. So I was training with them, yeah. playing for Blythe. Um, I had then a full season at Blythe, which, if I'm being honest, probably, again, going back to my personality, I was probably, I was 19, 20 at the time, probably enjoying myself too much. Uh, I was quite heavy. I was overweight. Uh, drinking more than I ever should. So the first year was a bit of a just a write-off, really. And then my wife always takes the credit for my career because I met me, I met my wife while I was at Blythe, 
Um, stopped going out as much, stopped partying as much, lost a lot of weight, got my appetite back. And Ron Bone invited me into Middlesbrough on trial at the end of that year and agreed to sign. And what happened, um, I'd agreed to sign in the earlier part of the week. Lenny Lawrence actually got the sack at the weekend. So I'd agreed to sign with Middlesbrough. Lenny got the sack. So that then left me obviously with no, no contract to sign really. So I then had to come back in on trial when Brian Robson took over um, in, in that summer. But the two years or the two and a bit years I was at Blythe was crucial for me because I was playing against men, um, physically helped me toughen up, helped me develop. And it, it gave us a good ground in that, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd missed my first opportunity if you do get a second opportunity, you'd be very fortunate. And if you do get a second opportunity, you've got to take it. So my mindset as well changed in that period where, you know, if I get that second chance, I'm going to have to take it this time because there's not going to be many more chances about. Yeah. Well, quite, quite fortunate, really. Like I said, many people don't get that second opportunity. Mm, it, it is interesting that you're saying like how you, you've progressed from, from Blythe and you train with Hartlepool and then moving into from Middlesbrough as well. Um, in, in a bit to play more games, Lids, when you're obviously at Middlesbrough, you, you did move to Darlington on loan mm-hmm. initially, and it was kind of arguably probably the best move of your career when you've you've ended up being voted probably the the, the cult hero or the best player for, for, for Darlington to some extent, and you played all just under 300 games for them. Um, what was it like to play for Darlington when you did eventually move? Because at the time, they were had a new owner, uh, they were linked with Gaza, Esprilla, and then they had this whole... This, this whole ethos and probably eye on eye on the prize. Really, it seemed like it was it was a club that was very much on the up. Um, what was it like to to be at Darlington at that time? Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. I mean, I had numerous opportunities to leave uh, throughout various stages of my time there. So at Middlesbrough, I was always. I mean, but I, I owe a huge amount to Brian Robson, Gordon McQueen, Viv Anderson, John Pickman, who I worked with. But I was never good enough to to be a regular. So I would if I if I got in, I, I played, I think, maybe 13 in the Premier League. I think I played about 25 games for Middlesbrough altogether, but I was never good enough to be in the team on a regular basis because the players who I would come in for were better than me for one reason or another. So I was never, ever good enough to hold a, a, a position down on a regular basis. So the opportunity to go to Darlington meant it was regular football. And I went in the March, I think, February or March, until the end of the season and playing week in, week out every Saturday was massive for me because I was 24, 25 at the time, I think. Um, and I just got the, the bug to be wanting to play on every Saturday at three o'clock. And I was, I was valued by the coaching staff, the manager, David Hodgson, who played a massive part in me going there and the supporters. So everything felt right for me for in that summer. I still had a year left on my contract. But I wanted to go. I didn't want to go back to Middlesbrough and just be a, a reserve team player. I wanted to play week in, week out. So David Hodgson somehow made the deal happen, which you know I, I was always grateful, always will be grateful to. Um, and I had, I see, I think I had about nine seasons altogether, um, and it was just a fantastic time to be at the club. Uh, fantastic people, supporters, took to me, appreciated what I give. Um, and like I see, I've seen lots of managers come and go, and lots of players come and go, but it was. I never really wanted to leave. If I look back now, have I got any regrets? No, but could I have furthered my career 
probably, but I wouldn't change a thing because I, my time there was was special, and I built up such a special rapport with the the town and the and the the people there. Yeah, and just just before we we go on a little bit more on Darlington, Chris, like you obviously play play professionally as well. How did you find like the lawn moves benefited you when when you when you were playing? Because I, I remember you were at North Allerton for a couple of years. You played at obviously Billingham Town and, and so forth. How so far, How did you how did you find that lawn move? And do you think it developed you when you were playing? Well, my, my career was like nowhere near was probably anywhere near as good as Leeds was. But when you when I when I when I came through it. Darlow and obviously everything that happened there, I was quite fortunate to get into York. And then when I signed my pro, I realised early on that I wasn't going to get much game time. There was at York at the time, there wasn't even really a reserve team. So it was basically if the games came as shape. So through the week, the only time I ever got game time would be during shape. So then we had a reserve game against Bradford. Um on the midweek and I'd scored two and I thought, oh, well, I might have a chance of maybe he's even been on the bench here. And I came over and Nigel Worthington just said, you're going on loan to North Allerton? And I was just like, oh, God, no. To be honest, <laughs> that's what I was like. I was like, League Two, Northern League from where I am now. And to be fair, I played nine, ten games against men and then I went on loan to Whitby. And it benefited me because when I came back for that whole half of the season, I was on the bench and in and out of the first team. Mm. I guess, Dick, on that, or just on that, Dick, or what, for me, that's admirable to do that because, and again, I'm not speaking out of turn here, but if you see it to some boys now, do you want to go, do you want to work experience, do you want to go with experience to a Gisborough and all that? They look at you as if you, you've got two heads. Yeah. Um, and for me, it, we, I mean, I... I before you, I sent Josh Greer and Danny Groves to uh, West Auckland over the Christmas period. Yeah. And it's a massive benefit to, to that, to go and play against men, especially at such a young age, because it, it helps develop your game. And a lot of people underestimate how, how good that can be for your, your own personal development. Well, de- definitely. I mean, to be fair, I was, I was training every day with York and then still... Now, like the gaffers just said, like you've got to go and train with them as well. You can't miss a training session with them if you're playing for them. So I was training all week and they trained Tuesday, Thursday nights. So then I'd train all day, come home, train Tuesday, Thursday, and then just get... I think the first game I played in Northern League, I lost my front tooth. And I just thought, oh, Christ, here we go. But you can't get any, any uglier, Chris, to be honest. I know, yeah. I just, but I did, I, it was, you just, I just it just toughens you up and it gives you, it gives you a sense of everybody in football. I think at times needs a sense of belonging. And when you don't fit into a team, it's, it's nice to be wanted. Yeah. And at that age, it was just nice that somebody wanted to wanted me to play for them. So I, I enjoyed my time. I enjoyed my time at Whitby. And then I came back and sat on the bench and made my debut eventually for York. So everything paid off. Yeah, it was interesting what you were meant to saying there, Lids, around players that what not wanting to go out. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because of comfort? I think it's I think it's the level. I think because the I mean a lot of the boys have been in here since they were nine year old, well, seven year old, and they, they look at the Northern League as some kind of prehistoric sort of well, what the hell's that all about? But there's a there's a purpose behind going out on loan, um, whether it's at the Northern League, whether it's in the conference. I just think when you when you're in a club of our an academy of our size, I've always tried to get the boys to be realistic. And when I speak to the parents as well, they, 
the, the chances of them making it into our first team is so far and few between. What I've tried, what I try to instill in them, we'll try and get you a career in the game. So, you know, you going and playing 20 games in the conference for uh, Hartlepool, it'll be hugely beneficial in a year or two years down the line when you contacts up with us, because at least you've got some senior football on your CV. But I think it's just that, I think there's a little bit of a comfort with it, but I think it's just the, I think it's quite egotistic. I think there's a lot of people don't want to challenge themselves and think it's below them to go on loan. Um, I think we are getting better as an academy in terms of opening our players up to go into them places. Um, and I think it's, it's only going to benefit them in the future. But I, I do think there's a lot of, a lot of own ego, not just, not just boys, by the way, but the parents as well. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a culture shock, isn't it? Oh, massive! Yeah, I mean, even as parents, my my dad liked saying, "Oh, yeah, well, Chris is at an academy. Chris is playing for Borough. He's played for Leeds." And then all of a sudden, oh, he's on loan at North Allerton now. That's a culture shock because people are used to you being at the top level of ch- like kids' football to then leaving a pitch that's like a carpet to go and play uphill at West Auckland because the hill is like that. It's yeah. completely different. Yeah, yeah. And it does. It, 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 you, sometimes I think at that age, my dad was brilliant with me, but at some like the parents can put the kids off and make the make the kids sometimes think that they're untouchable as well. You look That's at you look old Ben. Get you, it just you, we spoke about old Ben off here. So old Ben had he had two years left on his contract here, and as a dad, I said to him, "Look at you ain't." I'll be honest with you, I can't see you breaking through it in our first team regularly. You've got some top, top players in our first team. He had the opportunity to go to Bristol Rovers and it was me who was pushing our Ben out the door, saying, you know, you need to, you could sit there for two years, you probably might make one or two appearances, but you're not going to be a regular. Go on, you're going to have to open yourself up and, and go and test yourself. So he walked away from his two years here, which was basically was me pushing him for his own career. It hasn't worked out because of changes of managers and et cetera, but I still think the best decision for him was to, it's an experience for him as well. 100%. Yeah, he's living on his with his girlfriend down there now, and he's he's happy. But yeah. you know, you can just get too too um, sort of engrossed in what's on and around you. Whether you just got to look at your own pathway, and if it's away from here, it's away from here. Yeah, it's interesting because Ben made his debut against Spurs right in in the FA Cup. So yeah, obviously, he's, he's, he's debut the in the November against Leeds in the league. Leeds, that's one, yeah. yeah the, he came on a sub, didn't he? And then he made his, his, his full debut against against Spurs. Yeah. When he's, when he's played those those two games, do you think that, when, when you looked at it, Leeds, did you, did you think that it was probably best for, for him to move once you've seen him on the pitch there? Do you think you actually be putting in a little bit more game time? From, from a fan perspective, it did look like he was so young and raw. He needed that game, that yeah, game I mean, time. Yeah, he, he's, he's still very... I mean, if you look at the Leeds game, when he came on, he actually did very well for the 20 minutes he was on. Then the Tottenham game, you're playing against the Champions League, the, the previous Champion League finalists. So it's not as if he's gone on and had a, a game against like a, a standard championship side. He's gone on and played against the elite in Europe. Yeah. So it, was, it, it wasn't anything about his ability because technically he's, he's very good. It was just about he needs to develop physically. And the only way he would do that, like you say, was to go and play against men week in, week out, which 23s doesn't give you. He wasn't going to get it in our, in our first team. So, like you say, it was the right decision for him to, to go and develop yeah. physically as well as mentally. Yeah. 
would you since you obviously you both came through academy football, Glitz, your your Boris academy manager now, but what would you say the differences are between the academy and in the professional game? Would you say it's our physicality is the main difference? You want to go I wouldn't. I'd I'd say the differences when you when you're coming through, even when we were at Darlow, and at, at a point you were you were bringing a lot of the kids over into the first team to make up numbers just because of the situation we were in, and. Dealing with the nerves is definitely the first thing. Um, and then all of a sudden you go from playing in like kids' football where everything's controlled at your own pace. So like the ball would come into me up top, I'd be able to hold it for maybe five seconds because the person's the same strength as me, give it and go. And then all of a sudden you come into a game where it's professional and Middlesbrough will be a completely different level, but the tempo and the speed of the game just changes. You're playing against seasoned athletes. And not only that, you're playing against people who've got more knowledge and more, like more nous. So they're getting yeah. the ball, they're making a pass before you even react. They're looking for you before you even know they're getting the ball. Everything just speeds up, and you've got to be on top of that all the time. It goes from being like four, five, six touch football to one touch, and I think that's the difference. And you've got to adapt to that tempo. Yeah, I think where we are in terms of we've obviously got in the academy we've got full time sports scientists, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we we bridge the gap in terms of the physicality. So we've got obviously the data which shows that the twenty threes are working at the same tempo as the and the same rate as the first team, etc. So we can gauge that and bridge that. But like what Dick was said, it's a whole different ball game when you go into that environment because people think that bit quicker. They move that little bit quicker. Um, everything's a bit sharper. The passing's crisper. It takes time for, for players to adjust. And I think for me, crucially, is the mentality because mm. it's ruthless. The business is ruthless. And nowadays, you've got every, it's easy for, for boys to look on social media and look for the nice things and the good things and all the fluffy things. But if you're going to do that, you're then going to get hit with. Somebody who thinks you're the worst player in the world, somebody who thinks you're rubbish. But so there's a whole host of things that boys are having to deal with now, what we didn't have to deal with. I mean, I'm obviously Dick, Dick was not quite my age, but we didn't even have mobile phones in my time. But obviously, social media now has gone through the roof. And if you went, if you can't handle it mentally, you'll sharp disappear because let's say you've got the aspect of dealing with crowds, dealing playing under pressure when there's points and there's there's people's livelihoods at stake, managers' jobs at stake. You've got all that pressure, but on top of that, then you've got the the external pressure of social media, who everybody's telling you how good you are, how bad you are. If you are, if you can't block things out and focus, I mean, the best I've seen in our in our academy, Tav Marcus Tavernier is fantastic. He's unbelievable. He's just relentless in what he does, and nothing's deep down. It, it, things will affect him, but. From the outside, nothing seems to take his focus off being like a top player. He'll have a he'll have an amazing career tab because he's so driven and dedicated. He'll get there, and I think that's a key word as well, dedication. Because again, I spoke previously in my job, uh, in, when I was a player, it was it was the norm to have a few drinks on the way home after a game. It was the norm to go out on a Saturday and a Sunday with your mates. That. Is you, you you couldn't live if you, you you wouldn't get anywhere near it if you did that nowadays. So your lifestyle is completely different to what it was then. Uh, Lids, so, I, can, I can ask you this now, Lids, right? But there was a rumor going round from, <laughs> the, 
when I was playing, and, and I'll tell you who started it was Les. Monday morning runs. So you used to, did you used to go to the pub, right? And have no, didn't matter where you were. So see, you'd have five, six, seven, eight pints. Did you used to run home? No, I did it once from a Christmas party because I couldn't get a taxi. Les told us you did it all the time. No, I did it once from Newcastle. It was a Christmas party in Newcastle uh, with Darlington. And it was about nine miles, no, about seven miles to me home. And I couldn't get a taxi. I ran home and tried to cut through the woods and ruined all my clothes and everything. So I only, did, I only did it once. I, to be fair, if I had a, the one thing I would say, and again, the best I've ever seen with this was Brian Robson. If, if I had a night out, I would work twice as hard on the, the day after, on the Monday. Um, but that was how it was them days. You just you did it. You just got on with it. But you couldn't do that now. Oh, yeah. You definitely can't do that because we all over social media, wouldn't it? And that's probably... <laughs> I mean, but who's, who's Les, by the way? I'm, I'm so confused was, who Les is. Les is a, an old friend of mine who he was the head of recruitment at Darlington at the time. Okay. He's an absolute nut job. <laughs> oh. Right, okay. That, that makes a lot more sense. But bef- before you said that, Dicko, in terms of um, the mentality, phys- mentality, physicality as well, it, it, does, it just shows, doesn't it, that talent alone doesn't like get you anywhere in football, does it? No, it, de- it, de- it definitely doesn't. Um, I used to have a motto before I joined Lidge actually saying that runners run a lot of players used to say that runners run and players play then you came in with Lidge and the first day he took us on a 10 mile run and beat us back by about 40 minutes <laughs> and then I work I work with Ali now do you remember Ali? Yeah yeah so what, what Lidge used to do is because I was always at the back because I was quite would you say I was quite every set? Yeah you were big boned I think is the phrase <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we used to go for a run and it always used to be me, Scotty Harrison and Danny Lambert at the back. So Lids used to take us on a run, didn't tell us where we were going, so we had to try and keep up. And then if we weren't keeping up, we'd get Ali to run all the way to the back, make us catch up to the front and then turn around and go back. So I think about six times on a pre-season, that's the only pre-season ever that I've ever spewed about six times. The mentality thing. Um, not gonna lie, Chris. I've don't, I don't think I've ever seen you run the football pitch for more than like fifty meters, to be honest. So that didn't really help, did it? <laughs> to be honest, we were at the time because obviously it was a bit of a one-man band. So obviously now I'm blessed with a sports science team who produce all the data. We used to run up. I was basically doing what I used to do as a player. So there'll be hill runs. There'll be the steps at Hoffle College. We were we were by far the fittest under eighteen team oh. in the country. It was unbelievable. Like, remember when we played Hartlepool and we got beat 2 1? And the next day you'd rang it, you, you were fuming absolutely. I'll get beat off Hartlepool. Oh, my. I've never I, I've never been more scared in my life. And then on, on the on the Sunday, you, you rang us all on the Saturday night and said, Rolling on the Sunday, and you took us up them steps until we couldn't walk just because we'd been beat off Hartlepool. Yeah, you can't get beat off Hartlepool in a derby. It doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, co- we'll come back to Darlington then and, and your time at Darlington and Lids because you were voted Darlington's all-time uh, all-time cult hero by BBC's Football Focus viewers. You know, 70% of the vote and you are given a testimonial game. Now, I want to hear about this testimonial game because a lot happened, didn't it? Yeah. Um... I mean, the, the cult hero thing, again, it's a massive honour. Um, something that I'm proud of. Uh, see, I, 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 got, I get just as much I got just as much back from the club as what they gave me. I, I absolutely love my time there uh, in all the roles I did. Um, the testimonial, I, I had to retire 
through an injury. I mean, I had a lot of problems with my knees. I'd had about seven, eight operations on my knees, but I then tore the muscle off my pubic bone, which was quite a bad injury. And I was never, ever going to get back to the level to compete. So the, the, the club granted me a testimonial because my contract would have took us above the 10 years mm. that I had left on my contract. Um, so I, had, I, I was obviously granted a testimonial and obviously Middlesbrough being my former club, I think it was, uh, I can't remember who the manager was at the time. I know Gareth Southgate was the captain, um, but obviously Middlesbrough kindly agreed to, to bring a team over. Um, everything going really well. And then half time, there was chaos. Um, somebody had somebody had left a door open in the in the in one of the stands, and there was a phone call from outside the ground saying that there's a bomb had been left in the ground. So the ground had to get evacuated at half time. Um, it was just honestly just mad. It was it was a fantastic. All the Middlesbrough players were walking out. I remember laughing with Gareth Southgate. He was walking out with his his shirt and tie and I his tracksuit in his hand and his kit. They had to just get out of the building. They couldn't even get showered. Um, then the ground was obviously shut and there was nothing. It was it was obviously a hoax. Um, so yeah, didn't get the full day, but. I got a half a deal, which was really, really good. Special. That's brilliant. Though. That's such a brilliant story. That's always something you can tell the grandkids, to be honest. It's just yeah, like... I, I, both my kids were mascots, so we've got, we've got <laughs> pictures on the air. Uh, we've got pictures at home of the two of them, mascots and stuff. So that was a good, it was a real good deal, but a, a sad end, but you know, still something like a treasure. And like I say, it's a, it's a good, quiz, good quiz question. Yeah, but it's interesting you mentioned the stadium then. And Darlington Stadium at the time, they've got that, what, that still that 25,000 capacity stadium. I was saying to it earlier, there were, it was an exciting time to join Darlington as well. Do you think that with like the takeovers, the points deductions, the stadium, the players that were linked, do you think that it was always going to end bad for Darlington at the time? Or was it just, or was, or was it the opposite? Where was everyone really optimistic about it? I think when, obviously, when George first took over, uh, George Reynolds, that is. That was my second season. He threw an awful lot of money at it. I mean, the bonuses and the wages that we were getting paid as league two players at the time was way and above what the norm. Um, and it, it, you just didn't see an end to it because, like I say, we had myself, Gabby Dini, Neil Heaney. Lee. We had quite a lot who played in the Premier League, playing in League Two. We really should have won promotion. We got beat in the final, uh, the playoff final against Peterborough. Uh, don't know how to this day, but we were the best team by far. Uh, but we didn't achieve it. And then, obviously, George had spent an enormous amount of money and got nothing at the end of it. So he then started, and I would never, ever question it because it was his own personal money. He put a lot of money in there. He obviously then started to cut back. And then he invested in a new stadium, which, if I'm being honest, was, was built to fail because George's plan was that Build a thirty thousand seat stadium. We would get six or seven thousand supporters from Middlesbrough, Newcastle, Sunderland to come to a new stadium just because it was a new stadium every week, week in, week out, which was never ever going to happen. And I even had conversations with George to say, "Look, it, it doesn't happen." I was born a Newcastle supporter. If I wasn't involved in football, I'd still be going to St James's Park every week watching them. I wouldn't be coming to the arena because it's a new stadium to watch Darling. Yeah. So it was always doomed to fail in my eyes, and I never. I mean, the, the first game, I think, I was the captain. We had, let us out, we had, we played Kidderman, so we had about 13,000, 14,000 there. 
which was phenomenal, but it was a one-off because the stadium was open. Everybody wanted to come and have a look at it. After that, the 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 tens has quickly dwindled to five, six, seven thousands, which is what we would have, what we were getting the previous year at Feedums. So my my thought it would have been a total different ball game if he had just developed Feedums. Would have been a lot less costly, um, and it, the atmosphere of Feedums was special compared to the arena. So I never, although I had a four or five year at the arena, it was never really a ground where I was. Comfortable. I much prefer to be at the at, at Feetums. Um, but the the I think I went through three administrations, and we always seem to get new owners who were wealthy at the time. So you always think, oh yeah, we'll come through this and we'll go yeah. again when the new owner comes in. It was obviously just the last time where it was probably a step too many. It was one too many administrations, and that's obviously when when Chris was there when the troubles really hit. hit yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, Dick, like you were there as well, and you were coming through the academy, and obviously we we were we went to school together, so it was we you would kind of tell me some of the stories that was going on. But how did you feel at the time? Because like Lids was saying there, it, well, once it became a bit of a circus, but it does look like that from from the outset. Um, but how did you feel about it, Dicko? Because you're going through the academy as well. They had the center of excellence as well, where you'd have that blanket approach where. I think you you got you have about four or five different teams. I think of of, da- of just people from around the area as well, and then you had the academy as well. And there was a lot of people that were that pretty much kicking around Darling at the time. For for us, we Leeds did well to keep us all away from it. I mean, we were coming into the ground. We we'd meet at the stadium some mornings, um, and there was a lot of press always outside, and we always got told we weren't allowed to speak to the press. That was always for the the higher ups at the club like Lids and different people like that. But then they became more like intrusive, didn't they? The press. They started turning up everywhere. And I always remember you you you'd pulled us in for a big meeting at the ground and you said, listen, there's loads of press outside. Don't speak to no one. And I don't know if you remember Matty Crust. Yeah. He just walked over and started talking to one of them. It took took four of us to go and pull him. I mean he, he is he is one special boy. I love Crusty a bit, but he was very, very uh, light-headed. But, no, I think I think Lids did very well on that side. But then, all of a sudden, we were getting saved. This money was coming through the door. Everything's going to be all right. Um, because my, my, ta- out, like, my, my first year, everything, we were flying in the league. Um, I mean, we were, we were second or third. We'd, we'd went on a massive unbeaten streak. Mm-hmm. And we were doing really well. And then you got pulled away from us, Lids. Yeah. And it got split. And then, to be honest, after that, it was hard for us to get... Because you were always on our case, constantly. And I think when we came through... I, I mean, I personally, I, 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 was, I was quite fearful of you. But it was more of a fearful respect. Because you didn't tell us to do anything that you weren't doing. Mm. And... As a player, for me, it brought out the best in me. I think I think that season I scored maybe 20, 25, 30-plus goals. And that was just mainly purely on your management skills. Just everything that you did, we had to do. Like, if you were collecting balls in, if we were collecting balls in, you collected balls in with us. If we went for a run, you came for a run with us. And then Coxie came in and I'd lost. If, if I was being honest... And that's that's partly on me. When when you left, Coxie's a diff, completely different person to you. Mm. And it was almost because Coxie was so nice and pally pally. 
my game sort of hindered a little bit when you left until you took me with the first team. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. I remember seeing. I remember the drop off. To be honest, Dicko, because again, I was I was virtually initially I was doing the first team on the morning and then the youth team on the afternoon, and it was yeah. just the stage where I couldn't do it anymore. And Coxy, as a friend of mine, come in, and you were flying, and then there was the drop off. Yeah, and obviously you come back again. So I, I remember it clearly, to be honest. See, when we were going, when I was going over with the first team and being around yourself and having that almost that respect, but fear factor back, it brought out the best in me. Where when I was with Coxie, everything because he was always he was, he's he's a proper funny bloke and he, he likes a laugh and a joke. The training sessions sort of the tempo dropped, and I think. Everything else dropped. Where, where when you were there, everything was everything had to be right. If it wasn't right, you went through us, mm. and mm. I think that sort of prepares you as well. Going back to when you said about professional football, for us leaving school, we I didn't see playing football as a job, really, because it was just something that I was good at and I turned up and I did it. Until I came with you, then it was a job because you put the the responsibility, the role. How you represent yourself, how you how you turn up every day. If you if I turned up and I slacked, you told me I was slacking. Mm. Not that nice, but you told me like fucking liven up. Yeah. I think the, the, the thing I'll the thing I can remember, Dick, was the first team. I got his all into the dressing room at the stadium. Yeah. And I was sat there talking, it was just a just a one doing. I think Danny Lambert called me mate. Yeah, <laughs> I look. I said, "Hang on a minute. Don't ever call me mate." I said, "I'll do everything I can for you." I said, "I will do everything I can to help you become a first footballer, but I ain't your mate, and don't ever call me your mate again." And like, yeah. and he was looking at me, thinking, "What on earth is wrong with him?" Yeah, yeah. That that's the thing. See, that happened when I, when Gary Mills was the manager of York when I went there, and then. Nigel Worthington came in, and we were just talking in the dressing room, and the lads were calling him Nigel. So he came in, I went, you're right, Nige. Oh, my God, right? I, I think, I don't think I spoke again for about two days just because he went through me in front of everybody. You don't fucking know me. You don't know this, you don't do that. And I was just like, whoa. But that's that's how it is. And I think the way that you brought us up, especially for the three quarters of that season, that helped me more mentally than probably football wise the fo- the football wise everything was a fast tempo and I mean we had the team we had that youth team was unbelievable that level was fantastic I mean we like you see I, I remember we beat I think we beat Bradford 7-0 on one of the games where we were yeah. just like phenomenal like, and for that for that for Darling to have a team of that standard I was like bursting with pride but I wouldn't let the lads see it I was saying alright well they're rubbish. Let's we'll get on the next, the next yeah. one. We'll go again, and we we were actually flying that that year. That, that FA there. Youth Cup run. Yeah, when we got where did, who beat us in the end? Newcastle at St James. Newcastle at St James, and, and to be honest, Danny Lambert missed a chance at nil nil. Just yeah. we just couldn't get there. We were probably as good, if not better, on the evening. We lost three one. I think there was a Marcus Madison scored a real special goal, but. They no, used our set piece against us. Yeah, they used our set piece. Yeah, they watched it and used us. I yeah, mean, they we, watched it. We more than matched them on that day. We were we were so unlucky that day. But that game against Shrewsbury in the FA Youth Cup, we we had more fans there 
watching us yeah. than what were coming to the the actual first team games. Yeah. And I can always remember I, I scored, and I, I think because you knew we were playing Newcastle, I think you were you were quite even though you didn't show it before the game. I think you were quite heightened. Yeah. No, it was a it was a mass. Obviously, for us to go and test ourselves, Darlington to go and play at St James's against Darlington, I knew how much of a, a thing it was for the club and for for the boys as well. So, I, I was trying to be calm. Ex- I was trying to be externally calm, but inside, I was I was boiling. I, was I, can, I mean, you never you never celebrated a goal that we scored ever, but I scored when I, it was a tapping as well at the back post, and I think Tom scored after that, didn't he? We won two 0 against Shrewsbury. Yes, he did. Yeah, it was two in the line. Yeah, and I scored, and I can just remember I seen my dad running down the stairs, but you were running down the line as well. Yeah. And I just thought this goal might be actually quite big. It was only like a two-yard tapping. And then we went to St James's Park, and to be fair, they had like the likes of Remy playing at the back and Campbell. Yeah, and Marks Madison played. That uh, they had a good. They were they were well fancy team. But I think team. everybody in that youth cup run was scared of us. Yeah. Just because of how well we were doing, hundred percent. Do you think he's disappointed now how how it all ended up, the way that it ended up? Yeah, I think because I think, yeah, I would have just liked to have seen Johnny how how I mean, listen, what's happened to me has been great, and I'm in I'm in a job now which I've always wanted. Um, hmm. This is this is the 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 best job in the world. I couldn't have asked for anything better than this, but it would have been interesting to see how just far we could have took Darlington. Yeah. Um, but like you see, things happen for a reason, and like I've ended up where I am for a reason. And the grounding I had with them lads, obviously now I'm in charge of like 170 kids. Hmm. I had a, a real special relationship. Like I think what Dick was said there, they were fearful of me, but they knew I had the best interests at heart. So yeah. I would, I would never be the mate, but I would always go that extra mile for them. I would do whatever I could to help them. And if they, if they did slack, and I would come down on them like a ton of bricks, but. It wasn't for my benefit. I had my career. It was for their benefit, and we had a real special. It was a real special time for me at Darlington. Again, that capped off the previous be playing experience, etc. And having that, that obviously spell with Darlington, what we produce, not just me or it was what we produced as a group was was special. Like at that time, yeah, it's it's interesting where what Chris was saying there around the, around the respect and obviously being quite fearful of you. Did you pick that up from any other coaches that you've worked with in the past, or is that just your your own uh, characteristics? No, I mean I, I don't mean. I mean, you, now Dick will probably not believe us, but I, I'm actually quite mellow now. I, I very, 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 very lose my temper because obviously the coaches. I would probably say this season I probably lost me lost me head twice, which I would probably do that in one day with with Darlow. But I think it's just I perform better when. I had that like Hodgie was Hodgie's one of the nicest men he'll ever come across. But Hodgie could lose his he could lose his temper, and mm-hmm. you always had that. I always played better when there was a manager who who was who was good with you, was honest with you, but had that in him to lose his temper. Like Brian Robson, very very rarely lost his temper, but there was a respect and a fear when he did. He was doing it for the right reasons. He what I think where you lose it is if you lose if you. If you're constantly every single time there's a problem, you're screaming and shouting. That's when it, people switch off. But if you've got it in your locker where you can you can explore when you need to explore, I think it has has more effect. Yeah, I, it's, it's... I think regarding that, lids, I think like when I when I joined you, I'd signed my YES quite early on, and I joined your I joined like your team. I think earlier in the year, 
so I, I was with you quite a lot anyway. And when I came through, I, I I seen myself a bit of like a cock of the walk. So I was just like, oh well, I've been with you for half a season already. I was top goal. I've been top goal scorer for four or five years since I've been here. I'm I'm already. I've already made it in a sense. That was what was going on in my head and I was quite cocky. I don't think I'd ever come across cocky, no. but I was quite cocky where I thought, well, I'll, I'm going to walk this. And then I think third or fourth session pre-season, I was walking. Um, just walk, walk, walking around really, just passing the ball and you went through me then. And then after you did that, that's when I went, well, I can't do that anymore. And that sort of brought me back down, which I think is what you probably intended at the time. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was, it was perfect. And that, that I think every manager should have that. I mean, different academies. I know the school that I teach is a couple of lads that's at Sunderland and different places like that. And they're not allowed to swear or give bad judgment. Is that is that right from like... Yeah, we, we don't. I mean, we clamp down. We've got our core values here, humility, honesty, respect. And... I'm really big on that. So if anybody's getting too carried away with themselves, we 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 sharp let them know. Yeah. We there's always a a morning. How are you doing? Hello. When all the kids come in from nine to twenty threes, and I've just spoke to a parent there. Who, I've just said I was was signing a boy from from the area, and we just said I, I think it's time we embarrass people when the players who come from out the area to see how we are with each other in terms of the respect we give each other. Yeah, communicate daily, and I think the, the, we get some boys from London who, who don't know anything different. They come in and they don't engage with you. They don't look you in the eye. They don't speak to you. But after a month or three or four weeks, they probably get embarrassed into being one of you because I think the yeah. culture has developed that far mm. in our club, and it's really ingrained into the into the player. So we're really big. I'm really big on that. Do you have a utopia view, lids, on how you want the academy to be now at Middlesbrough? Um, I think, I mean. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what I get judged on and what all the staff around me get judged on is players getting players into the first team. Yeah. So um, the amount of the obviously we've we've got we've had a real quite a bit of success over the last few years um, of getting well we've had success for many years um, but we've had we've had some real for myself being in the job four years now we've had some real success in, with the likes of Tavernier, Dielfai, etc. Coming through and we've had. I think we had nine nine players in one of the in the squad for the cup game out of eighteen, which is phenomenal. I mean, you never in this day and age you're never going to get that week in week out because the big clubs now can recruit throughout the, the country. So for me, I think how I would want it when my time's up here, when I come to leave or retire, or whatever. As long as we continue and produce some players on a regular basis, then I can look back and reflect on my job of being a success. We're doing that now. I'm. I mean, you can see behind me, I've got that's all my players from nines to well, seven to twenty threes. So there's plenty in there who who I believe have got a real chance of having a future at the football club. Um, but we do pride ourselves on the amount on that board who don't make it is going to fall away the ones who do. So yeah. we try and when they leave us, I would like to think, especially when they've been in the building full time as eighteens and twenty threes. They leave the place a better. They leave the place a better person, so they'll have some academic qualifications behind them. They'll have a good grounding in football, and they'll be good people, and they'll know how to to speak to people, how to be respectful. And I think if I if I've got that nailed, which I'd like to think I'm 
a long way down the road of doing it, then I think I've done my job and I'll be I'll be pretty satisfied. Yeah, it it it's a great view to have. To be honest, I think it's, it comes back to the core principles of what the club should be. Um, when I'm just look look when you look at different types of clubs like Brighton and say and say Norwich, you have like a philosophy and ethos which run up and down the club, and it, it doesn't matter who the manager is. That ethos has always remains the same. Do you think Middlesbrough heading in, in that direction now? Um, not quite sure. I think that will always be Steve, the, the chairman and, and Neil. That'll, that'll be up to them. Um, I think my job is to build relationships with the managers. So, I mean, I've been, I think I've had about six managers and I've had, touch wood, I've had a real good relationship with all the managers. I've, I, like I say, I'm, I'm an honest person. I'm not one of these who will try. If somebody ain't going to be at the level, I'm quite happy to say I don't think they'll play at our level. They might go and play somewhere else. But I will then stick my neck on the block and say I think this such and such could go on. And, you know, that Neil's obviously the manager now. And I've got to... I mean, Neil has been... I've enjoyed my time under Neil more than... Just as much as I have probably more than any other manager. He's similar type of fella to me. He sees how it is. He's honest. If he doesn't like something, he'll see it. He's got an opinion. But he's been he's been fantastic for me in the in the academy in terms of the, the opportunities given the boys training and playing. Um, it's difficult to say whether we'd go down the head coach route where there's a there's a thing from top to yeah, bottom. Yeah. So I think what we do is successful. So do we mm. need to change? I'm not too sure. But you know, I, I just I'm basically told what I do, what we taught to do as a football club, and let's say we've got strong relationships between myself and the first team and that's encouraged by yeah. the chairman and by Neil, the chief exec. So, you know, the, yeah. the longer that continues, the better it is for the club. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, fully, I fully agree with you on, the, on that one. Um, it's just, it, I think it's just dependent on each scenario, isn't it? Is, is there any players that Borough fans should maybe look for in, in the coming years? Have you got any names that you, you want to share or are you, are you, is it all confidential for you? Not, not I don't so want to put the pressure on them. That's, yeah, that's, it, no, that's I, it as well. I mean, it's not so much confidential. It's just that, I think it's it would be wrong for me to to heap any more pressure. Like I've yeah. we spoke earlier with there's, there's that much pressure on boys these, these days. For me to heap any more on them would be a little bit unfair and it would be probably unfair on the rest of the boys. Um hmm. what I will say is well, we've got we've got talented boys right from under nine who like it knows more than anybody. There's a hell of a long way to go between nine and twenty threes and nine and first team. But we've got some real talented players, some absolute quality right throughout the age groups and there'll be some who'll come who are developing just nicely now who'll come strong near the end there'll be others who are really strong now who for one reason or another will will disappear so it's really hard to predict but you know I I sit here now confident that what we've got is is a bright future for the the boys in the academy no it's exciting to hear that it's really exciting to hear but we're going to come down to our closing questions lids um and there's five of them. And the first one is, what is the one non-negotiable trait that players need to stick by when you're coaching them? Um, application. I think you could put a whole host of things around it. So you've got to apply yourself, whether it's in and around the training ground or on the training pitch, you've got to apply yourself correctly. Because like we spoke before, I was talking to Dicko as well, it, your talent only gets you so far. Your attitude and application is huge. If you've got, you have, I've seen loads of players over the, the years have, abundance of talent but if they haven't got the right application they'll just drift drift off no. good one and um, second one is what is the proudest moment you've had in football um two um 
make my Premier League debut against Leeds, which was the same day Janino made his. Which I was quite fortunate. I got lightly. Nobody was looking at me. They were all just watching the little Brazilian fella. Uh, and playing at Wembley in the playoff final for Don. Obviously, as a kid, everybody wants to play at Wembley in the FA Cup final. Wasn't good enough to, to play an FA Cup final, but I did get the, the privilege of playing at Wembley. Yeah. Interesting, by the way, that you and Ben had major debut against Leeds United. Interesting, that. I didn't even think that, to be honest. That's a good, think about that. There you go. Yeah. It's all clicked there. Interesting fact. Well, mine, uh, mine was different. I made me debut for Middlesbrough against Tramia. I made me Premier League debut against Leeds. But there's a connection. I get it. There's a connection. Yeah, well, sorry, you've always got that one over him, to be honest. He hasn't made the Premier League just yet. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, but the third one is, what is next for Craig Little? Is it? Would you ever go into, go into management? Because I know you had a caretaker's job at Darlington for a while, or is academy just for you? You're happy where you are. I've never, I've never wanted to be a manager. I think the, the, the shelf life's too small. You don't get time to build anything these days. Um, so management would never be. At this stage of my career, I'm coming up 50 this year. Management's not something I'm looking to do. I've got, the, I've got a 100% record at Middlesbrough. So you do? I'm quite yeah. happy to retire. I'll I'll take that to my grave. I'm happy with that. <laughs> uh, the second to last one. Um, this is, could be quite a difficult one for you. Um, and don't feel pressured to put Chris into this. But um, from the players that you play with or coached, what is your all-time five-a-side team? You can have two subs if you want. Am I in the team or not? You can no. put yourself in the team. No, I don't want to be in the team. Uh, right, I'll try and mix it. So goalkeeper Swarter. Defender, one defender I've got to have Nigel Pearson because okay, fair enough. I played alongside him and he helped me learn my trade and he would run through a brick wall for the football club. Um, I'll go with Kevin one case there's any young ones listening. Dan Byrne, obviously played with, with us at Darlow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan's playing the Premier League now, so there'll be me two, two defenders. Midfielders, I wasn't fortunate. Gaza signed the, day, the same day as I left Middlesbrough, so I never got to play a train with Gaza, so... I'll go Paul Merson and Emerson as my two midfielders. This isn't a bad five-side team, is it? I think you've got to go for six, are you? Oh, I'm going for six, sorry. I've got five outfield, haven't I? Sorry. I'll take, well, I, out. No, I'll take Emerson you, out and I'll put Janino alongside Merson. Okay, then that, you'll end it as... Maybe Tubbs I'll have. Ravinelli as a goal scorer and Dickwell. There you go. There you go, Dicko. <laughs> there you go. Just fit yourself, fit yourself in right at the end. It's not that you're here on the call, Chris. It's not that. Yeah, you're... yeah, yeah. It's talent alone that, that's yeah. made it. You know I'll what I mean? It. I'll take it. Yeah, not Northern League's finest. Um, <laughs> and then fi- one final question, Lids, uh, before I let you go, is just what is the one piece of advice you would give to someone who wants to become a professional footballer? Oh, hard work. You can have all, like, so again, you've got to enjoy it, but hard work if you aren't prepared, especially these days, because everybody's an athlete as well as a footballer. You've got to work hard and you've got to be dedicated. So hard work will will, will heavily outweigh for me. Perfect. Lids, really enjoyed that. Dicko, thank you for, for joining me as well. I actually really enjoyed that channel and listened to you both speak. I thought it was really, really good that. Um, but as for you guys that are listening to us as well on the podcast, if you'd like, share and subscribe to, the, to our YouTube channel and our podcast apps, leave us five-star rating if you enjoy it. But this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast. My name is Johnny Bullock. And, all, and that was all your match day chatter in a pod. One support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Coming alive again. 
Janino wants the ball played to him. Ravinelli spots out. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.